Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish and Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Burchard as he preached from the lectionary, which this week was Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 to 22. As always, you can find more sermons or more information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Last week, we heard Jesus tell a parable, a parable about a king who tries to throw a wedding feast for his son. And uh, the king's invitation to this feast is rebuffed, ignored. The king is a little annoyed, uh, but invites those people again. But again, they refuse to come to the feast. Of his son. Apparently, they just don't see the need to feast with him. But that's not all. Some of the intended guests were so aggravated by this second invitation that they assault the messengers, even beating them and murdering some of them. The king's fury is now an inferno, and he sends his army to kill the murderers and burn down their city. His anger apparently sated, the feast goes on, and the king then instructs his servants to invite anyone and everyone, the good and the bad, we're told, until the banquet hall is full. But that's not enough. Because when the king finds someone there not dressed in wedding clothes, he has this person thrown into the utter darkness because, as the king says, many are invited, but few are chosen. This was a pretty directed story that Jesus was teaching with. He told other stories. And all of these stories were told within earshot of the religious authorities. And they're not surprisingly pretty upset. This is what brings us to today's scene in the temple that we just heard about rendering under Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And it's not a coincidence that after hearing Jesus tell this parable about an angry king and a wedding feast invitation that is ignored, that the religious authorities plot to entangle Jesus in his words. Now, a little more context. We should know that this scene comes near the end of Jesus' life. He's now in Jerusalem, teaching in the temple. At this point in his journey, there are no more healings, no more miracles. At this point, he is defending himself, making it as clear as he can who he is and who he is not. 
And as he's teaching in the temple, he's approached by members of two very, very different groups. The Pharisees and the Herodians. It might be helpful to know that this is kind of like the Freedom Caucus and the Problem Solvers Caucus, both of the Republican Party, coming together to say, elect a speaker. Very unlikely to happen. Now, we don't actually know uh, fully who the Herodians were, but it seems that they are a group who are affiliated with the odious puppet king of the Roman Empire there in Palestine. And somehow, in this story, they are joining forces with a sect of very serious religious practitioners and the Pharisees who have a contentious relationship at best with this pseudo-religious representatives of Rome. This should tell us that something highly unusual and potentially very dangerous is unfolding. Just in the framing of the scene, the writer of Matthew's Gospel is making it clear that Jesus has been trapped. Trapped between a rock and a hard place. After a moment of flattery, when they remind Jesus just how faithful and truthful he's been, these religious followers spring the trap with this. Tell us then, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? A super simple question. A yes or no answer. And a really cunning trap. On one side of the trap, there's the rock, right, with the Pharisees. And if Jesus says that it's lawful to pay the tax, the Pharisees will renounce him as being complicit with the exploitation of the empire. But then there's the hard place on the other side where the Herodians are. If Jesus says that it's not lawful to pay the tax, then he's a seditious rebel and a threat to the empire. I don't know, as Emily was reading it earlier, I could almost hear from 2,000 years the smugness of this clever trap. Now what happens next is a matter of interpretive debate. There are several ways to read this response by Jesus. But first, the response. He has them produce a coin that pays that tax. And here's a hint. It's not a shekel. It is not the Jewish currency. And once they produce this coin, he asks them two questions. Whose image, literally in the Greek, whose icon is on this coin? And then whose title, whose inscription? The answer, obviously, is Caesar's. Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. A single move, checkmate. 
Except, except here we are left with, I kind of think 2,000 years later, the same questions. What is Caesar's? What is God's? What are we to do with the things that we have been given? And so one of the ways that scholars have understood Jesus' response is uh, the, the camp of the clever escape. Rather than giving the prescribed yes or no, he cleverly redirects the trap back at the plotters. But this actually doesn't give us much of an idea of what we are supposed to do, except applaud. Now, uh, there's a second way that scholars unpack this response, and that's that Jesus is teaching us what is sacred and what is profane, right? Uh, what is Caesar's is categorically different from what is God's, and these two should never mix, ever. Keep yourself clean and pure. And certainly over centuries, many Jesus followers have followed in this path. But over time, we have also found that it is really hard to completely divorce oneself from the machinations of empire, whether it's Roman or American. What is God's? What is Caesar's? A third way, then, we've come to grips with this teaching is that Jesus is making a subversive play. He's having them bring forward the denarius, the Roman coin, and in this interpretation, he is subverting their trap by laying one of his own. Because when they bring a graven image into the temple precincts, they've done something that is forbidden. And this thereby shows them to be false practitioners of their own. Gotcha. But the challenge with this reading is that it also doesn't really help us who are similarly trapped in a world that pulls us in all kinds of distorting directions. At least I have not yet heard of this being an effective strategy if you're being audited by the IRS. <laughs> and so... For those of you keeping score at home, we're at the fourth reading of this text, and this is the one I find to be the most helpful. Because when Jesus asks, whose image, whose icon is this? He's asking a deeper question. What image does this stand in for? What is it pointing towards? This isn't simply a question of how much does the state have and does it have too much sway? And it's not just a question about the testing of Jesus anymore. It's a question that tests us. Then it becomes more of what supremacy does identity or education or security or achievement have in your life? 
What are the coins with the emperor's image in your life that you're carrying around? What are the icons of this world that demand your loyalty? And if it's not with God, where are we placing our trust? We hear the story this morning at a time when our own empire is struggling as to what action to take in our name in this dreadful conflict in the Holy Land. And we wonder where we should place our trust. And we hear this story this morning at a time in our own community's life when we're trying to pay attention, each of us, trying to listen for what we are to give away, to give to this parish, to give to the needs of the wider world. And so these questions, what is God's and what is the empire's, are as critical for us as they were 2,000 years ago. So perhaps this Jesus teaching is pointing us a faithful way forward and asking us to pay very close attention to the things that we hold on to the tightest. Because often, when we hold on to those things, when we grip them so tight, it's, it's not us gripping them, but them gripping us. Because the powers and principalities of this world, be they corporations or governments, they make claims on us all the time. And sometimes they demand a loyalty that leads us away from mercy and justice and compassion. And so the teaching of Jesus this morning in that contested space, not unlike the contested spaces in which we live, The teaching of Jesus this morning is that when we find ourselves gripping the tokens of these loyalties, that just might be the very moment that we need to be ready and willing to give them up. <laughs>